Uh, I want to take you to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. I'm studying, reading from verse 1. The Bible reads here, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple, towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the, to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. So this is important for us to note. This is a New Testament scripture talking about the Old Testament scripture, talking about what happened uh, during the time of the Israelites coming out of Egypt into the promised land. And the Bible tells us that there was the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Amen. John chapter 1 verse 15 the Bible reads, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he from whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And Colossians 1.19 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and brought him to him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that uh, this is another wonderful opportunity for us to connect with your family, the family of God, and connect with your word that comes from your throne. Lord, we are so grateful that we are able to be continuously connected to the flow of God's grace in you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord Jesus, I pray that today as we are uh, preparing our hearts to listen, Lord, that you are giving us the grace to make good use of what we are hearing, that it will be able to accomplish everything that you have sent it for. To you be the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our subject today is Christ is the source of God's grace. Christ is the source of God's grace. Now, we must understand that the grace that is found in Christ, and you know the Bible tells us that he was full of grace and truth. So the grace that is found in Christ cannot be understood in a natural, normal, you know, way of learning in school. 
Without the grace of God, we have no understanding of God and no part of God. It's very important that we understand that. The grace of God is the source of all spiritual life. Without being connected to the grace, there will be no spiritual life that is manifesting in, in any one of us. And of course, that's the reason why people who are not connected to the grace of God uh, have no understanding, have no spiritual understanding. They may, they may scoff at what we are doing. They may scoff at our praise and worshiping the Lord. They may scoff at us spending time to listen to the word of God because to them, it doesn't really make any sense whatsoever. Because you cannot understand it naturally. You can only understand it by faith. And, uh, you know, God is the one who is able to give us the faith so that we put our hope and our trust into the word of God. So God has been supplying his grace in mysterious ways since the very beginning of creation. You know, there is nothing that has come into being without the grace of God. Okay? In fact, when God said, let there be light, you know, and light came as a result of it, grace was flooding the planet Earth in a very, very powerful way. And not only light came, but life came. And many of the things that were not there before in creation, they were now appearing one after the other. Grace was flooding the surroundings, the earth, everything that was, that was around. So when man came into being, God was giving grace to each and every one of the people on earth. But of course, uh, it is up to us whether we are receiving that grace or not. God made his grace available to all of mankind, to all of humanity. He is not trying to hold back from anyone. But whether we receive it or not, that is up to us. It's our choice. And so it's very important that, that we learn from the word of God. You know, in the Old Testament, we see that grace can easily be seen, easily be found in very powerful way because Christ manifested even in the Old Testament. As, way, as far back as uh, when Abel was going to worship the Lord and he was coming to the altar, he did not come to the altar empty-handed. He also didn't come uh, to the altar with the product of his own sweat uh, like his brother Cain. But he came to the altar with the firstborn of his flock. And that means he understood where grace could be found. He, he understood that that, that uh, firstborn was a representative of Christ. And so he was connecting to grace even at that very early stage. How he knew about it, most probably he heard it from his parents, you know, who told him how God prepared from uh, you know, put uh, animals who had never sinned, who were innocent. And so he was putting his faith in the grace of God, not in his own doing. And of course, that was the big difference between Cain and Abel. <coughs> because Cain was bringing from the, from the crop that he was uh, sweating for from a ground that was, that was cursed. But Abel was bringing from the firstborn of the flock, trusting in Christ. 
because he was representing Christ even at that early stage. As we go through the uh, Old Testament, we find God, uh, you know, coming through every now and then. You know, for instance, we have talked about Noah who found uh, grace in the eyes of the Lord. And for sure, you know, the grace that he found came through the Christ. Because the Christ, we must understand, was not born in Bethlehem. That was Jesus. Okay? The Christ is everlasting. He has been there from eternity. But he decided to lay down all his, his benefits and uh, strip himself of uh, the divinity that he had because he was God just as much as the Father is God and as the Holy Spirit is God. And he was coming willingly to be born as a human being. And that, of course, now is Jesus that was born in Bethlehem. Okay? But the Christ has always been there. And so we find in the Old Testament that the Christ was with his people. Okay? Uh, I can't go into every detail, but you, you see it very clearly in the life of, of uh, uh, the people of Israel. Okay? They cried out to God when they were in slavery because they couldn't bear the burden any longer. And then God came through for them in a powerful way. And you know, that's what I call mercy. Mercy opens the door for grace. You know, mercy is allowing us who are sinners, allowing us who are failures before God to yet connect with the wonderful flow of God's grace. And so God, by his mercy, opened the door for the people of Israel to come out of slavery. And as they are traveling through the wilderness, they couldn't have survived in the wilderness so God provided them with grace every day. You know, he gave them manna. Every day he provided them with the water that they required to stay alive. Because we all know water is life. We cannot live without water. Okay? In the natural, that is true. And it is true in the spiritual as well. You know, we cannot live without the living water coming from the throne of God. And so we can see that God was uh, present and Christ was present in the, in the wilderness with the people of Israel. As we are reading from this powerful revelation that the, uh, the Apostle Paul gives to us when he says that uh, they were eating and they were drinking spiritual food and spiritual drink. Okay, they're eating manna, which is not something that is grown, not something that was known on the earth before. It came from heaven. It came from above. And they were eating from that, from that food every single day. That is what kept them alive. Of course, it's God who made this manna rain down. Every morning it was there. Every morning. And it was there as long as they were in the wilderness. The moment they entered into the promised land, that, that food stopped immediately. So they were eating that food. And they drank from the spiritual water, you know, the water that came from above. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. So just imagine there was a rock that accompanied the people of Israel. Okay? We, we know Jesus is the rock of ages. Okay? Uh, at one time when uh, Moses was in the presence of God 
And he said, I want to see you. I want to have this uh, closer relationship and fellowship with you. Uh, God said, okay, you can't see me because no one can see me and live because the glory of, of God would be so overwhelming that we can't stay alive. You know, our flesh and blood could not bear it. You know, when we would meet with the glory of God. But then God said, there is a place near me. Stand on the rock. Okay, and again, that is the rock that is, uh, you know, giving us the, the very picture that Christ was there even at that very moment. Stand on the rock and I will put you in the cleft of the rock and then I pass by. And while I pass by, I will put my hands upon you so that you are safe. And when I've passed, then I will remove my hand from you and you can see me from behind, but you cannot see my face. Now, the rock, we must understand, was Christ, okay? And the cleft in the rock is what Jesus has suffered. And this was already prophetically foreshadowed in the cleft of the rock when finally Jesus went to the, uh, to the Mount uh, of Calvary and died on that, on that cross. And of course, we all know that as they were, the, the soldiers were coming, trying to break the, the legs of the, of the uh, people who were crucified so that their suffering would be shortened, they found that Jesus was already dead. Okay? And when they thought that Jesus was already dead, they didn't break his legs, which was a prophecy as well in the Old Testament that none of his bones would be broken. Okay? But then they took the sword and they opened his sides. Okay? And as they opened his side, you know, blood and water was flushing out. And that is the cleft of the rock. Okay? In that dying of Jesus Christ, in the sacrifice of giving his own blood, you know, we have life because water is a is a picture of life. And so we have now the ability to stand in the presence of God because there is a cleft in the rock. And that's where we are safe. So we are not coming to God because of our own righteousness. No one can stand before the Almighty God in our own power or righteousness because the Bible says our righteousness is like, like filthy rags. We can come because he has made a way for us. He has given us that cleft in the rock, shed his blood at the cross of Calvary, and that's why we are able to stand before him. Praise the Lord. So we are very, very fortunate people that we can see what God has done in the Old Testament, he's doing it today as well. So God opened the way for all of us, and wonderfully are we able to walk with him into the presence of Almighty God because of God's grace. Okay? So we are living by the grace of God and the grace of God has come through his word and continuously comes through his word. Okay? It comes through the water. Water is life and God gives us life. It comes through salvation it comes through faith, and faith can see. Okay, so there would be many things that we can mention here. God is our righteousness. God is our justice. God is our, our 
overwhelming, you know, uh, source of all good things. And all this comes to us through the grace of God. If we don't have that connection with Christ, all these things are not present in our life. But the moment we come to know Christ, everything changes. And our lives will become rich in the flow of his grace. And you know, when you think about his grace, his grace is manifold. You know, you can compare it, for instance, with light. Okay, when you look at the bulb here uh, in this room, you just see brightness, okay? But if you put it through a glass, a prism, okay, so that the different light uh, particles are being broken up, you will be able to see that the light is actually made up of, of what is like when rain has happened and, you know, there is moisture in the air, then the light is broken in a certain way and we see the richness of the, the light which comes through in the multiple colors that are shining upon the earth. And that's true with, with grace. You know, grace is very often not understood. Okay, many people don't understand what is grace. We, we very often use the word of grace, but we don't really understand what it means. And of course, some people have made it simple. They say uh, grace is the unmerited favor of God. And yes, while this is true, it is just one single strand in a wonderful bunch of uh, many good things that come through in the grace of God. Okay? So we, we need to learn that grace is manifold. Just like light, you can see just brightness here, but put it through the glass or put it, you know, uh, let the sun shine through the, uh, the time when it is raining and you know, the sun is at a certain position, you will see that wonderful rainbow with so many different colors flowing from one color to another color to another color to another color. And that is what grace is all about. You know, grace is the fullness of God, the God life, as I would call it. So he is the word, he is the water, he is salvation, he is eternal life, Okay. Not life that we know that comes to an end, uh, you know, when finally uh, we breathe our last. That is just the body that comes to that point of our existence when we are in Christ. Because when we are in Christ, you know, we have life that cannot be compared with the life that is just in our human body because we have a spiritual life. And that spiritual life is eternal life. Okay, it's not coming to an end. And that's why, you know, as people of God, living by the grace of God, we don't really have to fear death. Now, death, of course, is a reality and no one likes this. You know, we all, we all would love to uh, live as long as possible. But then, you know, even when we die, as Paul said, I have thought, and it would be better, he's, you know, either to stay behind or to see to see Christ, to be with the Lord. And it would be better, he said, to be with the Lord. But then he said, for your sake, I will still stay around. <laughs> okay? So we, we must understand that, you know, the, the, the grace of God is such a full flow of God's riches. And, and we must learn to access 
the grace of God. Okay? We must learn not to neglect the grace of God in any way at all, but really to be living by that fullness of the grace of God. So hidden from our natural eye, God has called each and every one for us to believe. Okay, we don't know how this has happened. You know, every one of us has a different story. You know, I grew up knowing very little about God. For me, uh, you know, it was just all religion. I grew up in a house where, you know, we had a religious uh, order. Okay, we were, we were Protestants. And uh, otherwise, it was not much evidence of our faith. My parents only went to church when there was a funeral or a wedding or maybe Christmas a few times. But that was it. So it was more or less like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know an, an adornment of life on the, on, the, on the fringes. But it had no real basis in our life whatsoever. The only time when I came to know that there is more to this life is when I was visiting my grandmother. And every now and then when I did visit my grandmother, she would take me aside, speak some word of encouragement, and she would always pray. And I realized that this is the thing that I I didn't know. You know, it it was not found in our home. But I didn't understand the life in God. But something was there that was somehow touching, somehow amazing. Eventually, I came to believe myself, okay? It took me time. I was 17 years old, okay? After fulfilling all the religious orders that you're supposed to fulfill. But when I was 17, I came to know Jesus, okay? And when I came to know Jesus, just without anybody telling me anything I was able to see. Because I believed and faith can see. Faith has eyes. By faith we understand. You understand? Okay? That God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. By faith we understand. And so when, when God came through into, in my life, that's when I began to understand. That's when I began to become alive to the reality of uh, the world that up to that time was hidden to me, was not existent to me. And unfortunately, that is true for so many people today. You know, for so many people, uh, the life of God is hidden. They don't understand it. They don't know it. But for people who believe, we don't understand. We have access to the grace of God. We, we receive the flow of God's grace in a wonderful way, isn't it? And that is, that is the wonderful thing that we can praise God for. It's not our doing, okay? It's by grace. And grace has made a way for each and every one of us. You know, who, no matter who you are, God has made grace for each and every one of us, okay? So that we can connect to the living God. So in other words, we are no longer all by ourselves, We are no longer dependent on our own arm of flesh, on our own uh, wisdom and and strength, but we are now able 
to move in the power of the Almighty God because we are connected to Jesus our Lord. Amen? So God is doing, and the grace of God is, 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 is doing marvelous things all over the globe. You know, wherever you go, you will see an overflow of God's grace. While there is darkness in the world, on one hand, there is also the grace of God and the light of God shining in a powerful way. That looks like a paradox. That looks sometimes like a contradiction, but it is not. Because for those who are in Christ Jesus, they do understand. They know. They see. Okay? They hear. They hear the word of God, and it is not just uh, some sound that hits our eardrums, but it is translated into our hearts, in our innermost being, and makes us different kind of people. So when, when grace flows, and where grace flows, life and fruitfulness will manifest. Let me just read a few more verses from the book of Ezekiel. Okay, first of all, let me say, Ezekiel is given that powerful uh, vision of that man who takes him to the threshold of the temple. And, you know, we must understand that a temple of God, the real temple of God is not a building made by blocks and, 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 and stones, uh, you know, and putting, put, it, put marvelously together. Uh, but the real temple of the Lord is Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? I'll just read for you a few verses here. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. Okay, so the water was just about that deep, okay? So, you know, it's like a heavy, after heavy rain, you, you see children are walking in the water around, okay? So the man who was giving him that vision, you know, or showing him the vision, uh, was allowing him to step into the water. And it was ankle deep, ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. So another uh, several hundred meters, then the water came up to here. So in other words, <clears throat> the water started <clears throat> just like a trickle from the temple, you know, from the threshold of the temple. It looked like very insignificant. And you know, this is what very often people think, you know, when, you, when they look at Jesus, they say, ah, who is Jesus? It's very insignificant. You know, the Bible is there. Yes, they have seen the Bible, heard about the Bible. But to them, it is too insignificant because it looks like just, uh, you know, another voice. But this vision tells us that what starts very small, okay, just like... Uh, a trickle of water coming from the temple, from the altar, will eventually flow to become so high that it, you can walk in it ankle deep. And a little further, you find it that it is knee deep. 
And the Bible tells us again, he measured off another thousand and led me through the water and it was up to the waist. Okay, so you can see there is an expansion taking place, an amazing expansion. And that's how grace works. Okay, grace looks to be insignificant. When you connect to Jesus, some people may laugh at you and say, ah, what is this? But they have no clue what this grace is able to do in your life and in many other lives through you. And that's what God wants us to understand. Now, it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. So in other words, the water has gone beyond the heads. Okay, so the only, the only way through was swimming. Okay, so can you imagine what started with a trickle just expanded. He could not stand in anymore. Manner that it was eventually such a river that he could not stand in anymore. He could only swim. A river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Now, listen, this is very important. That grace that God has poured out into your life, into my life, into the life of the body of Christ all over the world is not just grace that benefits you alone, but it's going to benefit others, okay? And there were trees growing up on either side, and of course the trees were able to bear fruit, okay? You see that in a later verse. So there was a large number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water becomes fresh. Okay, so the, the water that is salty, that, that uh, cannot really be utilized to drink or to water anything, is transformed into water that can be able to bear fruit, okay? That can be able to give life to fish that are, that, that are needs, they, they, which need sweet water, okay? And then the Bible says here, when it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. What a powerful picture of uh, the grace of God. Okay, wherever the grace of God appears, life will come into being. Where there was no life, life will come. Follow grace. And, and, you know, every one of us, we should look at ourselves, we should look at our own life to ask ourselves, how much grace do I have? You know, how much grace is visible in my life? Am I going to uh, change toxic environments? Okay, like this, the water that flowed from that river was able to turn the 
the, the, the salty water into sweet water. Can we do that? Okay? We, we see there are many places of darkness in this world, and God has given us grace to bring transformation. Amen? To bring a change, to bring a difference into the lives of our you know, relatives, friends, colleagues, or where, whatever they are. You know, God has given us grace so that it will be able to affect not only ourselves, but it will affect other people as well. And God wants to, to see the grace of God in us. Accomplish exactly what we are seeing written here. Okay? So there's an expansion taking place. And this expansion should be a reality in all of our lives. Okay? This life should be there in all of our lives. You know, this is a, is a vision that God gave to Ezekiel uh, to explain spiritual truths. And this is really a, a powerful description of the grace of God that is becoming visible in the lives of those who flow in the grace of God, who receive the grace of God. When I go to verse 10 of Ezekiel 47, the Bible says, fishermen will stand along the shore. Okay? So in other words, people know where, where blessings come from. Okay? And others will come to fish the blessings. Okay? Get out the fish that is gathering because the grace is there. Okay? And try to find solution from you and maybe you think, what can I give them? But you, you may not understand that grace can accomplish all of that in your life, in our lives. In fact, that's what God desires to do through you and in you. Okay, so you can see there are things happening in the, in the river and there are things happening next to the river. And all of this have great significance. So, fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Eglaim. There will be places for spreading nets. And the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Interestingly, you know, there are always corners of darkness. And where the grace is not entering, the darkness cannot change. Where the grace can enter, darkness will change. Amen? And that's why, you know, be, be uh, gracious uh, to the people who may not know God's grace. And let them taste from the grace of God that has come into your life so that they will also open their hearts for the flow of God's grace. I think it's very important. Now verse 12 says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Okay? So in other words, the river brings life. Not only in the river, but even outside the river. Okay? A tree cannot grow without having an access to water. Okay? And we know that's why trees have got roots. They have a elaborate root system in order to connect to the ground and be able to uh, absorb the water from the ground. And of course, trees like the place where water is plentiful. 
And as uh, the Bible tells us in Psalm 1, you know, the righteous man is like a tree planted at the water. And it will bear fruit in its season. And he will be able to, uh, to, to, to multiply and to do in our lives through the grace of God. The grace of God that comes freely to us through Jesus Christ. You know, it was decided before the foundation of the world by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that it was Jesus who was ordained, Jesus who was chosen to be the access point for all humanity to come and know the grace of God. Come and connect with all the divine power, with all the divine life that would be available in our world through Christ. And that's why Christ has come even before Jesus was born in the Old Testament times. And then finally, Jesus was born and, you know, he became the access point for all those who want to receive grace. Let me read from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, a very powerful passage of scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to, be, to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Okay, God purposed that grace should flow into your life. God purposed that you should be rich in fruitfulness, in life, the life of God, the God life, through whatever comes from the throne of God. Okay, so it's not by anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Time even begun. The grace was already apportioned to every single one of us before time even began. Before earth was created, before the universe was there, God already decided to give you grace. And if he has decided to give you grace, that, that means that he also knew you would be coming at one time of the history of this world. Thank God. So we are not here by accident, okay? And we are not here to be living below the poverty line, the spiritual poverty line, but we should be living in the, uh, in, in the abundance of God's grace. Okay? And when we live in the abundance of God's uh, grace, that's when we can fulfill the purpose of God in our life. Amen? So this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Oh, praise the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that good news? Okay? That's why we love good news. That's why we come back to the word of God because it gives us life. It gives us encouragement. It gives us power. Okay? 
You know, like 1 Thessalonians tells us that God has given us grace so that we have an eternal encouragement. So the grace of God gives us eternal encouragement. Hey, this is good. Okay, it's not, it's not something that is just happening, oh yeah, now I'm happy and I'm dancing and then tomorrow I have got, a, uh, you know, another, another hangover because things are not working out. No, actually, God gives us eternal encouragement by his grace. Okay? It's a below the poverty line to every single one of us. So you don't need to live below the poverty line, you know, spiritual poverty line, but you can live in the abundance of God's grace. And that's this scripture said, he has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So life and immortality is ours. Okay? There is what we call eternal life inside of us that can never be destroyed, that can never be squeezed out of us because it is a gift of God. And that is to all those who have received the grace of our God. So God is available to all of us with great abundance. Okay? In the book of John chapter 2 verse 18, John chapter 2 verse 18, we read, then the, then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? So the, the, the Jews, they saw miracles in the life of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? They saw grace flowing. But they were not saying, oh, I want to have that grace as well. But they were beginning to, to struggle against him. They say, okay, why is this? Where have you got it from? You know, what about all this stuff? If they could you know, uh, does not give them a miracle. After all, he had done so many miracles before. So why, if they could not believe all these other miracles, even another one, they would not have still believed. So Jesus said something very strange, okay, which was misunderstood by many people, or maybe by all people. And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Now, the Jews were not thinking about the body of Christ. Okay, they were thinking about the temple that was built, uh, you know, first by Solomon. Herod was working on it. And then they said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days? So in other words, they made the joke out of it. For them, it was a laughing stock. But of course, they were laughing about it because they did not understand what Jesus was saying. And you know, every time people are laughing about the gospel, they are laughing about their own ignorance. Okay? They're actually confessing, I'm, I'm not able to see. I'm, I'm, I'm totally ignorant. I'm, I'm outside the ability to see. Okay, that's why, please, before you laugh, think again. Just say, God, give me, give me light. 
OK. Verse 21 says, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. Okay, it was his body. That's powerful. So in other words, the body of Christ is a true temple of God. So when Ezekiel sees that there is water coming from the temple, it is water coming from the Lord Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hey, this is powerful. So, but the temple he had spoken of was, the, was, was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. So, you know, not only the Jews who were not believing in, 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 in the Lord were making fun of the Lord and couldn't understand. Even his own disciples did not understand. Okay? It needed, first of all, to... To, to see Jesus being crucified, lifted up, and, and, and bring us salvation before they could be able to understand in three days, I will rebuild this temple once again. You can destroy it quite all right, but I will rebuild it. Let me take you to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 22 says, okay, uh, you know, the Apostle John is given a powerful view inside the realities that are revelation. We can see some things that otherwise we cannot see. And then, you know, John is looking around and he says, he sees the, the, the wonderful new Jerusalem, the city of God, and he says, I did not see a temple in the city. Okay? I did not see a temple in the city. And yet, the temple was always, you know, uh, a very central place uh, in the Jewish uh, tradition. It was a very important place because without the temple, the, the worship cannot go on as usual. And that's why today, you know, the, the Jewish people all over the world, they cannot really carry out their duties as they did before Christ came because there's no temple. And that's why some people who are very zealous uh, think we must rebuild the temple, Okay. Even evangelical Christians who really don't understand uh, the, 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 the Jewish faith in that much detail, they're saying we need to rebuild the temple. But if you rebuild the temple, what you're saying then is just, you know, bring more sacrifices, you know, bring more, uh, you know, animals uh, in order to kill them in front of the outside, in the outer court, and then take the, the, the blood into the most holy place every now and then. <clears throat> but... <clears throat> That was just a shadow, okay? That was not the reality. The reality, what happened on the cross. Okay, that's the reality. When Jesus was, you know, crucified on the outer court, okay? And then his blood was shed. And he took that blood with him. And he presented it before the Father once and for all, that sacrifice. So, John is uh, very much a child of uh, his Jewish up upbringing and throughout his lifetime, okay? Uh, no, not throughout his lifetime, but throughout the lifetime until maybe 70 AD because uh, John became a very old man, okay? He was in the 90s when he wrote 
the book of Revelation. But up to the year 70, he knew the temple that was central in Jerusalem and that was still remaining central for the Jewish people to, to do their, uh, their sacrificing. Of course, for the Christians, it was no longer the same because they were, they were you know, persecuted. Many of them had to leave Jerusalem and uh, eventually all of them left Jerusalem. And then in the year 70 AD, uh, the, the temple was destroyed by the Romans. Okay? And of course, that like destroyed the religious lifestyle of the Jewish people. They could no longer do what they were told to do in scripture, because everything which was required, you know, was needing, was, was required to be taken to the temple. But then, you see, the Jewish people did not understand that the temple was just a shadow of things. It was not the reality. And the shadows will eventually disappear. Okay? So, you will agree with me that when you're waiting for your beloved, okay, and you know he or she is coming and you're, you're, you're waiting and all of a sudden you see a shadow appearing around the corner and you get excited. You know, she's here, she's here. You jump up. And then you see the person that you have been expecting and waiting for coming around the corner. Are you going to, 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 to throw yourself on the, on the, on the floor and, and try to hug the shadow then? Wouldn't that be foolish? In fact, the moment you see the reality, the moment you see the person, you forget about the shadow. Because now the reality has come. Now the person has come and you are going to hug the person, not the shadow. And yet there are so many people today who still want to hunt the shadow. Okay? The shadow is past. The reality has come. And we thank God for that. The reality is Christ. Okay, so you don't need to go and, 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 and take an animal and say that, that, that animal brings me salvation. It doesn't. It's Christ. And so John is looking at the city and he's, he's surprised. Why would, be, why would there be no temple in the new Jerusalem? Okay, he only knew the old Jerusalem, but now he sees this city, this magnificent city, the new Jerusalem of God. And he's surprised. He can't see a temple. But then he says, the reason is because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Amen? You understand? It doesn't need a temple built by whatever structure because God himself, Christ and the Father are the temple of the living God. And actually, the Bible says we are the temple of the living God. Amen? Because we are now a family. We belong to the family of God. That's why when we are believing in Christ Jesus, we become children of God. He has given us the right to become children of God. And eventually, we grow up into adults. And when we grow up into adults, then we get our inheritance in Christ. As uh, Paul explains in the book of the Galatians. When you are underage, you can't get your inheritance. But when you come of age, then your inheritance will be given to you. 
So God is challenging us that we must be in pursuit of the grace that is available in Christ. You know, the time in which we live in is very often called the time of grace. Now, grace was available in the Old Testament times, but it was not available to everybody. It was selected. But now, since Jesus has died on the cross of Calvary, it has become available to the whole of humanity. And God wants us to pursue the grace of our God. Okay? <clears throat> he wants us to experience that wonderful grace that he has brought with him when he came from above. And thank God, God didn't only say, okay, uh, when, when finally you die, this is giving us the ability to transform our lives. Uh, grace is available so that we expand, that we bear fruit, that life will be seen in us, and that we will be able to be a blessing to others. Okay? You know, that fishermen stand on our shores and uh, get out the blessings from our lives. Okay? The trees are growing along our lives, and there will be uh, great blessings because of what God is doing in our lives. That is wonderful. So the grace of God can transform even the most toxic life, even the most broken people, and make them into, you know, wonderful examples of his love, his care, of his salvation, and of course, of his grace. Amen? So grace was given to us freely. The question is only whether we pursue the grace and allow the grace to really touch our lives in every corner. Or whether we keep some corners off, you know, some swamps where we don't allow the grace of God to come in. We shouldn't do that because the grace of God can change every detail of our lives. Everything that we are struggling with, the grace of God has the power to change. And that's what we want to experience. We know, of course, there are lifestyles of people who are quenching the grace of God. But we don't want to belong to people who quench the flow of God's grace. But we want to seek the flow of his grace. We want to see more and more of his grace being manifest in our lives. And that's what he graciously is doing in our lives today. So let's not so much more. Amen? So much more. God's favor is manifold, is powerful, is flowing in wonderful ways. So when Jesus died at the cross, okay, he never put any barrier between any human being and himself at the cross, okay? We can come to him. And of course, we know Jesus is no longer at the cross, but we can lay down our burden at the cross, and there's no barrier whatsoever. The very unfortunate thing is that a lot of people put barriers. Even churches put barriers. 
You know, I, I remember when I first came to, uh, to believe, you know, I was coming to uh, find Jesus, of course, because the Lord, the Lord found me. But he used the human being to testify to me and encourage me. And then I came to church. Okay. And when I came to church, they were, they were saying, no, 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 you are not properly dressed like this. You cannot come to the service like this. Because I came with my jeans. You know, I grew up on the farm. So they said, no, you can't come. And then there was another young man who had long hairs. You know, in those days, this was the hippie time. This guy had hair up to here. Uh, if he was a girl, then it was okay. But because he was a boy, <laughs> they said, you must cut your hair. And so, you know, sometimes we human beings, we put barriers. We're saying, you must first do this. You know, that's why in many, in many uh, places, in many denominations, you have got uniforms. You must bear, wear the uniform, otherwise you, you can't come. When Jesus invites you, you can come just as you are. Okay? No barrier whatsoever. And you can access the grace of God freely. Thank God. So don't allow anyone to put barriers between you and the grace of God. Because the God, the, the Lord has given us access to grace freely. Freely you receive, freely give. Amen? So we must pursue the grace of God deposited on us. Very interesting. You know, people are hunting for, for minerals in the ground. They are digging for gold and for silver and for, for copper and whatever else, you know, for emeralds. There's so many things that God has put into the ground. Yes, there are, there are treasures there. But the true wealth is not on those things. The true wealth is in the grace of God. Because whatever God does, through his grace in you, you can never lose it. But your bank account can be closed. You can go bankrupt overnight. You know, all the, the treasures people have been accumulated, some of them have lost millions and billions, not only of kwacha, but of, of dollars. So don't trust the, 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 the treasures of this world, but trust the, the real wealth of the grace of God. Because whatever God's grace is doing in your life, it will never be lost. You will always go with it. Okay? You can't go with the treasures of these worlds. But with the grace of God, you will go and see the Lord. Stand before his throne. And there will be a wonderful uh, presentation of what the grace of God has accomplished in your life the true wealth that God has given us into this world. So God has cleared the way to grace through his mercy. Okay? So that we come into the family of God because God has purposed that we should be part of his divine family once and for all. Okay? And that we can only be able to accomplish only uh, can it happen through the grace of God. No other way can be able to accomplish that, only the grace of God. So we thank God that yes, indeed, we are the temple of the living God. And as such, we 
are privileged to see the grace of God flowing richly in our lives. May it happen in your lives more than ever before. You know, let the grace of God expand, bring life, bear fruit, and do these wonderful things that I have been explaining. And you will be truly rich, okay? Truly wealthy. You know, many people, when you, when, when you say you will be rich, they always think about money. No, there are more values, better values than money. Amen? The true value is God's grace. Let us pray. Lord our God, we're so grateful that you have appointed Christ to be the source of God's grace for each and every one of us. Your word tells us that long before time began, you have decided that grace should come to us through Jesus our Lord, through Christ who came into this world who came in the Old Testament time, but came in the New Testament time in the person of Jesus our Lord, who died for us at the cross. And Lord, your word says that you came full of grace and truth. And thank you, Lord, that the fullness of your grace is with us today. And Lord, when the grace of God enters our lives, expansion takes place, growth takes place, life is multiplying. And Lord, we want to thank you for all the good things that you continue to do in each and every one of us. Lord, help us to pursue pursue the grace of God constantly. Lord, not to hinder the grace of God to do the work that you have decided it should do. But Lord, help us that we let the grace of God flow freely into our hearts, into our lives, and even into the lives of people around us. May your name and your glory be ending. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory and thanks. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.